Welcome to the Friends of Friends podcast. Here are your hosts, Henry Hargitay and Jason Cole. Welcome in first edition Friends of Friends podcast. I'm Henry Hargitay. That's Jason Cole. We've been talking about doing this for a long time now. Finally making it happen. Uh, we're available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that like button. Go subscribe. Do us a favor and be a friend. Uh, be Jason, a friend I, of a friend. Be a friend of a friend. I've known you a long time now. I've never seen you in a tie. Listen, don't tell anybody, right? But today I had an interview. I'm not going to say which university it was for, but listen, I got the job. I just, I don't know if I'm going to accept it. Is that all you can tell us right now? Yes, but the job is a division one job. Just know that. We'll leave it at that. Uh, listen, I'm so excited we're doing this, man. Uh, you know, like I said, we've been talking about doing it for a while. And I remember the day I met you, it was a excessively cold day. Uh, and it, we, we went to negative your spot. 28. <laughs> 28. Going to that Giants game. And we met at your spot in the Bronx. And I remember all the noble mansions. I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, I just met you and you offered me uh, a beverage that at the time I wasn't too, you know, I, I, it, was a, it was just a bit of a strong beverage. And I just wasn't ready to handle something like that. And I oh, said, which beverage was that? I, to- I just told you. And I said, listen, I don't know if I could do this. This is a, this is a little much. You still drank it. And you just looked at me and you said, oh, word, you good. <laughs> i don't remember that what beverage was it some crazy ridiculous tequila that you had oh no nah, you know what it was the michael jordan tequila i just got it <laughs> i think i remember that it was in february because it was brick we was going to the giants game that's right we was going to the giants game we were sitting on the zero yard line at the giants game yes I remember that. I remember how cold it was the last oh game of the season. Oh, my God. We poured the beer out. <laughs> yeah. Before it hit the ground, it was ice. I've never seen that in my life. I've never crazy. seen that. That was the coldest experience of my life. But anyway, that's my first memory of you. And ever since, it's been an interesting ride. We've done a lot of cool stuff together that we'll be talking about plenty on this podcast. Uh, but a lot of people don't know either of us. So go ahead. What is Cold, cold World Training? Talk about what you do and uh, all the all the amazing things you've done over the, over the past couple of years with the training. So, uh, I would say that core training is more than basketball. A lot of training programs are, you know, they specify in details and trying to get kids better. And I don't just do that. While we try to focus on the kids' mental as well, because basketball is eighty percent mental. 20% physical. If a kid can dominate their mind and understand and be confident throughout the day or the game or the period of time they're playing basketball or whatever they're doing, they can be successful at it. So I just try to dominate their mind and try to let them know they're better than what they think they are, you know, and portray that and be confident and wear it. And we've been successful. Most of the kids that come through the program are going to school for free. I don't want to say what division they're going to because at the end of the day, playing college basketball is a benefit, period. No matter what level you are playing on, you are elite when you play college basketball because a lot of guys don't, a lot of girls don't, period. 
Yeah. So I would say that sums it up. The amount of lives you've changed doing this uh, is pretty humbling. And the fact that I've been there for a lot of it to kind of record it and see this like change over time. It's like when I go back through the footage of all the training sessions over the past two years, it's literally like watching a movie and seeing like all these kids change over time. Uh, but the one constant is you kind of there like screaming in my face. And, you know, I'm I'm proud to say uh, that I'm still, no matter what, I'm the best shooter to ever walk <laughs> in Cold World training. I mean, you so, laugh, but- it is a bottom fact and I'll take the laugh back. No one can shoot righty lefty as well as Henry Hargitay in the business. Yeah, and if fact. you find someone, I got my money on Henry, period. Yeah. Let's go. That's the thing. I mean, it's a very, uh, you. I don't want to say useless skill, but how many times are you taking a legit shot with like a jump shot with your so other today, hand? Matter of fact, today, and we can ask Antonio because he watched me as well as I watched him. He was working on his legs. I was shooting all jump shots with my left hand today for about 25 minutes straight. So from about three o'clock to 3.30, I shot lefty. Just because, you know, at times, how do you how do you strengthen something? You gotta yeah. do it. You yeah. know, you gotta do it. It's honestly such a good workout too, the mental focus it takes to just go elbow to elbow. Oh, we gotta you know, show that footage. Switching, switching that. hands each that. time. We have we that, had yeah. that. We have that. We got to show that. Nobody's going to believe that. <laughs> it was crazy. I would love to see like NBA players do that, incorporate that type of stuff into their workouts because it's good mental training more than anything. For sure. The other really? thing, that's kind of what separates this guy as a trainer, in my opinion. I'm not just saying this to gas you up, but that's been one of the, like, the joys of like me watching you do this is that there's a lot of really good basketball trainers in this country pro college whatever i watched their stuff and it's just sort of like you the nation's top rebounder you the nation's top passer but like when i see you train you're slapping the floor you're screaming at dudes you're like punking them in a good way i'm trying i'm just trying listen people don't understand there's no right or wrong to this right you can't you can't say that you're doing the right thing in order to get Michael Jordan better or John ja Morant better. You, you just have to go as hard as you possibly can with that specific person and make sure that you're tapping into their deficiencies. If you're not doing that, then you're not getting them better. And that's all I'm trying to do. Something that they lack, I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to stay on it. And that's most of the time is our offhand, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, like we yeah. just spoke about. Nobody is doing everything that they can do with their strong hand with their offhand. Right. Period. Nobody. Now, John Moran scored the game-winning basket last night with his offhand. Right? That's right. Attacking the basket. You're not expecting that. You know, and that's why he's one of one. Yeah. You know who is the closest thing to ambidextrous in the NBA? Yeah, I can tell you. What who are you going to are you going to tell me something different and say that you're right over me? Maybe. It's possible. Do you want to say that? So so what's the question? Who is the most ambidextrous person in the NBA? Yeah. Kyrie, uh, Kyrie fucking Irving. Oh, I disagree. Disagree. You're wrong with whoever you're saying. I tell would me. say it's Mike Conley. Mike Conley, <laughs> yeah. who scored zero points in 
game, that, whatever. Okay. It wasn't who's a, the question is who hey, is a better score? We're gonna stop talking to you about this. No one in the NBA can finish with both of their hands better than Kyrie fucking Irving. Okay, I'm saying Kyrie is a better finisher and scorer, obviously, than Mike Conley. Oh, you're but Mike Kyrie Conley is a better is just, finisher, but now yeah. you're changing what you said. So I'm just saying, have you ever watched Mike Conley's floaters with his right hand versus I watch his they're floaters. identical? He is very, very good with both hands. He's he really shot good free throws hands. at Ohio State with both hands. Yeah, just I, like Greg Oden did. Right. Guess what? Greg Oden was the number one pick in the draft. Conley Where's, wasn't too far after him. Where is Greg Oden? That's a, that's a terrible example. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. <laughs> nah, but Mike Conley can use both hands, but not as well as yeah. Kyrie. Because right. Kyrie's coming with the finish. Yeah. He's he's up and under. He's finishing with contact with both hands on either side of the basket. You're not getting Conley doing that. Conley's not even getting 30 points. You missed first of all. You missed the essence of my argument. That it was the all essence about- of your argument was who is the most ambidextrous in the NBA. And I came up with Kyrie and you came up with Mike Conley. Let's go to shooter. Shooter ain't here. Oh, 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 because you're wrong. It would have been a good time to go to Shooter. He ain't here, but he'll be here somewhere. But let's talk about a guy now uh, who's really played with neither hands this year, unfortunately. And I always said it, the the potential that Ben Simmons has as a passer, I think. Oh, my God. Just hear me out. His passing ability is, is not to be messed with. I don't know what the assist numbers say. I'm not a stats guy. But the eye test tells me that that guy can run a team, he can pass the ball really well, and he's a good defender. So he, when you say run a team, yeah, it's very different from just being able to get guys involved, right? Running a team is being a leader and having guys follow behind you and making sure guys trust you and believe in every movement, movement you make. I don't think Ben Simmons is that, right? Ben Simmons is a great passer, yes. He can impact the basketball game, but he is not the guy that I'm giving a rock to to lead my team. Because when you said lead the team, he's on the Brooklyn Nets. You think that Ben Simmons is leading KD and Kyrie? No, but I don't think that's a situation where he's brought in to be the leader. Right. So at that rate, was he a leader in Philly? I think there was more of an expectation for him to be one. Expectation over how many years? Uh, that's the thing. You can only how long can you really wait for a guy to become a leader? Because it's uh, so, so John Moran. No, John no, no, came but, in and was a leader right away. But guys he, who come into the league are their leaders right he away. Ever, did he ever live up to whatever you were just saying in that time span in Philly? No, he had moments. Where I no, but but moments, but did he live up to it? No. Living up to it means making the you know, making the no. playoffs. That's I mean they made it. the playoffs. What damage did he do? All right. I'm saying is he's a he's a gifted passer and he's a really good defender. I guess there's a debate to be had whether or not he can run a team. I understand the cards are really not in my favor if I'm arguing that he can at the moment. It's very hard to justify that. I don't think that he can't. I'm just right. saying if we're going by, by his body of work, we won't say that he has done it already. But he's young and he has mad time. So Yeah. Well, no as a trainer, 
if, you know, if, if you're training him one-on-one and you're getting to be in his ear every day, what would you tell a guy like him? Oh, no, nah, he has to fix it. He got to fix it. There's no way he can't hit an open jump shot. Like, you have to come into it and shoot the ball confidently. I don't care if he's a good shooter or a bad shooter. When you come down the court and the guy is 10 feet away from you, you pull the trigger because you need to demand that respect so that they come out and guard you. If they're not doing that, then you're not getting what you need. Yeah. So, but there was always this thing about Rondo where people kind of argued that the fact that he wasn't such a great shooter almost made his job a little bit easier because guys would play off of him, off of him and he could see the court a little bit better and it made his passing ability that much more dangerous. Like, why isn't that working for Ben Simmons? Well, Rondo's a six foot three point guard from Kentucky and, and Ben Simmons is a six ten, six foot ten point power forward. Sure. Right. So he's doing way more than Rondo's doing in a game with rebounding, assists, scoring, blocking shots, locking up. Yeah. Right. Ben Simmons is doing so much because he has the, you know, what you can't buy, what you can't get, which is height. You know, you you can't that he's gifted with that. Rondo six, three, he's not able to guard one through five. Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons is able to guard one through five Yeah, and do a great job at it. Yeah. Rebound the shit and then push it up himself. Right. Lob it to Joel and then get a dunk. Like, okay, so we understand that they're different. Rondo's coming down the court. He's never thinking the same thing Ben Simmons is thinking. Mm-hmm. But when you when you say like Ben, you gotta fix it. Like, I think the problem goes beyond just his shooting. Well, two dribbles, one dribble over half court. You know, he's liable to just take off and dunk it. Rondo one dribble over, two dribbles over. He's not doing that, especially at his age now. When he yeah. was when he was in his prime, he wasn't doing that. He no, was still looking not. for the pass. So yeah. But he's what, just a pass for his guy. What I'm saying is like, <clears throat> you know, I've seen you get after kids who you think need to be toughened up a little bit. And you like you get in their faces and stuff like that as a trainer. If you had Ben Simmons in your gym like this offseason, what are what are you saying to him? Pull about, up every time, but it can't and, just be that because it's the the problem is beyond that he can't shoot. No, we know he can't shoot, and that's no, that, no, that's the problem. There's no such thing as can't. Can't isn't in a man's vocabulary. When you say can't, you defeat yourself. You understand me as a trainer. I would never tell him he can't do anything. So you do what you think you can't do to conquer it. Whether you're good at it or not, you can see you can go 0 for 100, but you took it and you felt comfortable. It's only going to go up from there. You understand? But if you don't do it, you're not going to get better at it. And I guarantee you he's not doing it. It doesn't look like it. He's not taking that shot in practice. No. Well, you can work out on it all day. You have to take it against defense in a real life game situational yeah wow well said that was poetic you know what else was really poetic what's that and i'm i'm a carolina guy i've always rooted for them i was a big boy williams fan um and i was just 
kind of thinking about it the other day of like great rivalry moments in sports. And I really just don't think it was like a shower thought that I had. I don't think there's anything Duke men's basketball can ever do to reclaim this rivalry. Carolina effectively won the rivalry with how this season ended. Okay, so I'm going to say this first. You said Roy Williams' name. He doesn't coach for North Carolina. No, I just said I was always a Roy Williams fan. I know Hubert Davis is the coach. Okay, so when you say Duke, North Carolina, do you really mean Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski? Or do you mean Duke, North Carolina? I mean Duke, North Carolina. Okay, so if you're talking Duke, North Carolina, right, for this year, this is Hubert Davis's first time winning. Okay, so... Mike Krzyzewski has won more times than that guy has won and lost put together. I'm just saying, of the great like rivalry moments in sports, everything that Lakers-Celtics had, you know, Knicks-Pacers, Yankees-Red Sox, all the moments those teams and those rivalries have had, I don't see any victor that has that type of an edge over its rival the way Carolina now does over Duke. I mean, because, because Mike Krzyzewski made it a thing that it was his exit. Let's take. That's his fault. No, I didn't say it wasn't. But let's take a moment and think, what if he comes back next year? He's not coming back. Okay. Okay, but if I'm, he does, say he does. But let's just, hypothetically speaking, if he does come back, then what? Are you? Can we say the same thing that we're saying now? No, because then what if he beats North Carolina outright next year? Then you'll be saying, oh, he owned him. But hear me out. Hear me out. It Carolina and Duke had never met in, in the tournament until this season, right? So but how long Lord is Williams it going to – wasn't the coach. doesn't matter. I'm just saying how long is it going to take for it to happen again? And if it does, Duke still has to win that game to even – get even in terms of rivalry bragging rights and next, Carolina fans next will year. always. So you think they meet in the final four again next year? I think they meet in the ACC championship. Next yeah, year. but that's all the time. They almost always meet in the okay, ACC. Okay. So for that, it boils down. But ask yourself, if you're a Duke fan, which would you rather have as many ACC championships over Carolina as you can get, or the fact that you won coach K's final game at home and the only matchup Final Four in the Final Four ever. Every Duke fan would push the ACC championships to the side and say, no, Chips those matter two the most. Chips matter the most. Final Four is a championship setting. Chips matter the most, so I'm going to go with having the most chips. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's. I just I, – when I People think of – People play this game for chips, Henry. I mean, Carolina did in the Final Four. They True. got to the chip. True. They beat Duke to get to said chip. True. But how many times have Duke beat North Carolina? I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I someone has the edge, I think it's Duke. Right. I could be wrong. But on his final game year, they kicked him in his ass and told him <laughs> to get out. It, it, we can't say that, but we just don't know what, what Mike K will do. He might just say... I woke up and want to be the coach again. And then what is, what's going to happen? Shire, you know, uh, Shire is going to be the goddamn assistant. Duh. 
So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Change your shirt. Put an A-S-S-T. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, crazy. That's just how it's going. Yeah, well said. Thanks for checking out the Friends of Friends podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. 